Morning Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, and we got myself on this Friday, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing Ripple's connections to the FedNow system as the Federal Reserve announced major upgrades coming to the network before the end of 2023. As JP Morgan has concerns over Ethereum centralization, stating centralized staking is damaging the network. And with the largest financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how these institutions are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, I've been super active on my Twitter account and it's been paying off, my friend. We got to break the chase news. Today, I got another great article about the Federal Reserve and Ripple and the connections going on behind the scenes. But before we get into that, my friend, how are you feeling? And thanks for being here on this Friday. Well, Abs, it's Friday. Everybody's happy. Happy Friday to the world. And good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. I love you and appreciate you guys. I know everybody's busy, so we got a short staff today on the show. But, of course, it's you and I here uh, flying the ship, baby. Let's go. The big dogs are in the house, as they say, Johnny. The big dogs are in the house. That's and we right. already got over 150 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. The title of today's episode is Ripple and Fed Now. We are going to show you how Ripple and United States banks have been working together for years behind the scenes. And now that's what's coming to fruition. But we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates throughout the day. When we look at some of the daily movers, Johnny, we got some green bubbles as AVAX is up 8%, Quant Token up 2.5%, and XDC up about 1.3% on the day. When we look at our Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at $1.18 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. And guys, I read the wrong market cap because you were getting an update from the beta test. We got the official version out now. So let me rerun this bad boy. We are at 1.08 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. Ethereum is about 18%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 27,700. Ethereum, 1630. XRP is 52 cents. Solana is $23. And we got uh, Cardano sitting at 26 cents this morning. And Johnny, this is an article I think all of our listeners would be interested in because yesterday I'm scrolling on Twitter looking for the latest news. BlackRock Insider primes crypto for a $17.7 trillion wall as Wall Street is gearing up to enter this market. Now, they specifically reference Ripple and XRP in these articles, but here's what I love. If somebody does clickbait on YouTube, we call them out. If Forbes does clickbait, we love it. This is very funny. So give me some comments here. There's really nothing valid, nothing new in this article, but Forbes acknowledging big money's on the way. It's so funny because that's so true. Like Forbes could do clickbait and everybody believes it because they're Forbes, you know? Anybody else does it. Oh, yeah, you're a clickbaiter. You know, you're a scumbag and this and that and all that. Listen, crap. they hit all the keywords. They got XRP. They got BlackRock. They threw a little Bitcoin in there. Oh, yeah. They definitely what are you going to say? Yeah, you know, but it, you know, it's something we've been talking about for the longest time. Is that you know, when I saw that article, I, I think I retweeted it too. Um, you know, I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, that's a 17x from where we are today of the whole entire market." And I imagine a 17x, and let's 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 play devil's advocate. Forget 17x. That's fine. Let's say half of that. Even if we got an 8x into 
the crypto market, that would put you at eight trillion dollars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you know how do you know how crazy that would be? Like how high a lot of the you know the top one hundred coins would probably go if there was eight trillion dollars trying to find a home in this space where they would all you know where all that money would flood into. I mean, the price of the coins would be would be amazing. I mean, you'd, you'd be you'd, <laughs> you'd be if you've got your bags packed, you're probably going to have a few of those coins that are going to skyrocket. And so that's why, you know, and I do believe at some point this will be, I don't know about 17, but maybe it'll be a five or eight or maybe even 12 trillion dollar market. I think you've heard, I think we've heard Kevin O'Leary say this will be like a 10 or 12 million dollar trillion dollar market. And that's going to be a very, very exciting liftoff time. And once we get there, then it kind of stabilizes and, and you've missed the life changing events, in my opinion. But we're, we're early abs. We're in a good position right now. Crypto, and we're showing the comparison between the internet adoption curve versus crypto. And this is a good conversation we had yesterday. I just want to touch on it for a minute here. If we compare the internet to crypto, what year is it? 1998. Can you believe that? That's how early we are when it comes to this whole movement. So $17 trillion, I don't think it's going to come in at once, but I do think someday this market will be a $20 trillion market. What are you laughing about? Well, what's great is in 1998, you were in diapers. <laughs> Yeah, I was born, baby. I'm a December. No, you're a year. You're in diapers. You're in diapers <laughs> that year. That's what I love about it. So see, when I say you're in diapers, I wasn't kidding. So uh, think about it. If I had bought, let's just say Amazon, <laughs> Apple, Microsoft, Yahoo, any of these things during 1998, I would be a billionaire right now. So two, 20 years from now, many of the assets that we talk every day, you don't have to do anything special. If you just hold these tokens, you can make millions. Take that's, that's exactly right. Don't be Johnny Crypto in 1997 and sell your Amazon. Hold your... I didn't have Merlin back then. It didn't exist. That was the problem, Evs. We needed Merlin. I need Merlin to tell me, like, listen, you know, make sure you hold some of this Amazon, sell some of it, and take a bunch of it with you in the future. And if I had known that, you know, well, I'd be a, a multimillionaire, a multimillionaire for sure, and, I, and, I, and maybe I would have never met you. Who knows? Uh, so maybe that was a good thing. But the point is, going forward, there is going to be what I feel Another op it seems like you know this opportunity comes maybe every 20 or 30 years. You know, 1980s were great, by the way. It's probably one of the best times. Well, that I was alive anyway. Those were the great years. But anyway, you know, um, I think that there there comes these times, periods, certain times in 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 life where there's an opportunity where you're getting a paradigm shift in technology that's going to allow you to become, you know, we've seen that with the industrial revolution back in the early 1900s. And then, you know, now you know, in the late 1900s, you know, we saw in the late nineties that you had a shot to do this when the internet boom was coming up. And, and now we've got another shot here, you know, in 2020 ish in the years of the 2020 years. So, you know, you have to be willing to, to take, take the risk. You got it. And you got to be patient. And you got to have an exit plan. If you have those three things, you're probably poised. You're probably in a really, really good place to change your life, but not overnight. And that's what everybody wants. Everybody's expecting overnight. And you said it earlier, you know, 20 or 30 years later, you would have been a multimillionaire, right? Same with me. Had I held my Amazon. Wouldn't it happened overnight? Wouldn't it happened five years later? Amazon wasn't at 3,300 and five years later. It took 25 years later. So the point is, the point of it is, patience and holding on is going to be the key here. 
And these are the articles that are going to matter when it's the of the bull run, guys. We're talking about tokenization. We're talking about how Ripple system is being adopted by American banks. But Johnny, there are two videos that we are very excited to play for our listeners. The first one is from ECB's Christine Lagarde talking about how Circle and Ripple are already changing banking. And this is a video from 2018. Johnny, there's a lot that we can talk about. We're also going to get into Ripple talking about how U.S. banks will want to use XRP after the partial victory versus the SEC. Articles like these are more relevant than ever now that we have an official ruling from Judge Torres. And let's make one thing very clear. XRP is the only token in the United States with legal clarity. But we are yet to see American banks take advantage of that um, of that ruling from Judge Torres. And guys, we got 242 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're about to take you down the rabbit hole. Here's Circle and Ripple and how they're changing the world. Easy potential for CBDC, um, uh, digital currency is what I'm referring to. I'll tell you what we are seeing, and it changes so fast in a matter of one year. You know, the crypto assets at large have lost about 85% of their value in a matter of one year. What we are seeing at the moment is, is what Carlos was referring to, which is, you know, development into new technologies that will actually change the way in which intermediation is conducted eliminate some of the barriers, including the unconscious biases that exist out there. And, you know, I think in the in the banking system at large, in many, many countries, the difference will not be between those who are disrupted and those who um, survive, but it will be between those who are cannibalized because they are not seeing it coming and they're not embracing it. And those who self-induce that cannibalization, and I'm using cannibalization on purpose because it's a bit of a striking, horrible word, but it's really what it means. It's you're going to disrupt your business model, you're going to change it, you're going to reduce your cost, you're going to expedite your transactions, and you're going to continue to inspire confidence because you will build them on the basis of an existing backbone, which is your bank and the confidence relationship that you've established with your customers. So that's where I see changes happening now if you think of circle and ripples and all those that that's where they are active and and uh, helpful think about that johnny circle and ripple are the most active behind the scenes where the money is actually transferred and this is what a lot of people need to recognize in right now there's 27 trillion dollars locked in the banking system because they have to sit there and receive transactions when you use a product like ripple you're allowed to release 50 percent of that liquidity that means off of Ripple's utility alone, forget tokenized assets and the bull market, everything else, just off what Ripple does, you can free up trillions in liquidity. So you don't need the Federal Reserve to print more money. You can free up the money that exists today. I'm kicking it to you before I give my take. Circle and Ripple changing the world. Yeah, I mean, you know, she talked about something that's so important and the reason why you're seeing the delays. And she talked about cannibalization, cannibalizing your own business. Do you know what that means? Absolutely. So- Yep. So for our audience, maybe who doesn't know, cannibalization is where you kind of eat your own business, if you will, or, or, or change your own business and, and maybe kill some of your own business models and replace them with a newer one. And a very famous company that didn't do that, you might have heard of, was Kodak. And that's why we always use Kodak as an example. And we say, don't be Kodak. Kodak was very, very prominent in the film business, obviously. They made all their money not selling cameras. That's not where they made money. They made money on the film and the film development. Okay. Well, in the 2000s, when digital cameras came, and I was heavily into this space because of the industry I work in, we were looking at it, and everybody was shifting to digital cameras. And and Kodak was, no, 
this is just a fad. Digital cameras are going away. They're not going to be real. You know, film is where it's at. Why? Because film was their number one business. They were behind the curve. Other companies were eating their lunch with digital, and, and they, they, you know, were trying to find an advantage to take away from. You know, you always take shots at the champ, right? And the champ, usually when you're on the top of the mountain, you don't care about, you know, what's. Sometimes you can lose sight of what's happening and how technology is progressing. And if you lose sight of how technology is progressing, then you're going to become Canon, can't Kodak. So Canon, can't Kodak ended up getting slaughtered. They were wrong. Digital cameras surpassed everything. It put film out of business. You can't even buy film on the shelf no more. It doesn't exist. They completely um, obliterated, uh, you know, an op, um, obsoleted film. And Kodak pretty much almost went down shop business. Now they became a, a, a chemical company. They tried to survive, right? And they had, they had to shift who they were. So what she's talking about here, and she actually said the word cannibalization, she's realizing that the banks have a certain system in place. Film. Let's say film. And and thank you for watching uh, from wherever Cacao is. Uh, but anyway, so the banks have a have have what I would call film in place today. Okay, but they know some of them who are paying attention know that digital cameras are digital is coming, and they need to make that shift. And the banks that make the shift will survive, and the ones that don't will become Kodak and they'll lose. And that's what you're gonna. That's exactly what she was referring to there. And the technologies. Um that will you know lead the way and she mentions back in what was this 2018 circle and ripple which is interesting if she mentions those i don't think she talks about ripple anymore but obviously they were in talks and we know brad was on uh the wf forum right ripple was one of the prominent players on that board so they had all the insights but yabs you know you're talking about uh, the you're talking about this same exact paradigm shift that's happening and the banks that follow and do it will survive. The ones that don't will become Kodaks. We've got a brand new video of Gary Gensler. I want to show our listeners, but let's continue with the circle and ripple connections here. This is Anders X, X Anderson on Twitter. He puts out great content. We show him very often on our channel. He said, I wanted Ripple and Circle to partner, and it seems a bit more likely now as this person, the vice president for Mena and Circle, Miram Kiwan, I'm bad at names, from Circle, we'll be speaking at Swell in November. Remember that last Swell, MasterCard was a speaker, and we later found out that they were working with Ripple on central bank digital currencies. Now we got a representative from Circle speaking at a Ripple event, Johnny. Do you think we'll have the same conclusion? Is this the first step towards a partnership for these two massive companies? You know, that's always something that's exciting to draw that conclusion, but that's usually not always the right conclusion. So you don't want to get too overexcited. Yeah, they're speaking at the event, you know, and, and, and we spoke at XRP Vegas's event, but that doesn't mean, you know, that <laughs> that maybe, you know, us and something else is going on. You don't you don't know. You just don't you don't know. You're invited to an event. You're trying to get the word out there. And so I would just caution people to. I love how you put us in that tier, baby. I love it. That's right, baby. I would just caution. I would just caution people to not just jump to the conclusion. Oh, they're at the event. They're partnering together. No. It's not necessarily true. You don't, you don't, you don't know. And so, oh, that's my Merlin phone. <laughs> I forgot yep. to sign that one. Okay. I got two phones. So anyway, um, you know, Abs, I would just say that it's positive and maybe there's something brewing in the background. There's a possibility, but I wouldn't just automatically jump to the conclusion and say, yep, hundred percent. They got a deal. They're working on something together. No, but are they, but it all starts with relationships. It all starts with talking. Right. And so, that the fact that they're in an event and they're talking together, that's a good thing. It's certainly what you want to happen.
Thank you so much, Johnny. And I love this comment right here. You guys are geniuses from Jim Millward. Thank we you, Jim. We love you, buddy. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, Jim. We are geniuses, but thank you, buddy. 305 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Here's an update on what's going on between the United States and the SEC this morning. Latest updates from the SEC in their battle against crypto in the United States. First of all, SEC loses its motion to appeal the Ripple decision that gutted their legal that legal theory that all crypto assets are security. The SEC also filed a weak briefing against Coinbase, arguing that the law is whatever the SEC says. The SEC chair also went on to fumble questioning against Congress on the checks on the checks notes for Pokemon cards. That was very funny. And we played that on our channel, Johnny, um, when Congressman Torres said, is a Pokemon card a security? Gary Gensler goes, no. Is a tokenized Pokemon card a security? Gary Gensler says, we'll, we'll advise those on a case-by-case basis. So very funny. And Johnny, I've got to mute you with those notifications, but we are going to play this Gary Gensler video right now about how he was explaining. He did not think the SEC had the authority to regulate the crypto market. He thought that would happen through rulings at the appellate courts. Here we go. So Hugo was asked about uh, the token XRP and whether I think it's a non-compliant security. I've spoken publicly. Yes, I do think it's a non-compliant security. Um, but this will not be resolved just by the Securities and Exchange Commission. It will be resolved by some courts, whether it's appellate courts or the Supreme Court. So what I believe is just that. It's a belief. But why would I say that? Let's pause it here for, for a quick second. Two things that really stuck out to me. First of all, I know you're going to ask. This video is from 20, 2018. He's teaching at MIT. He's just talking to his class here. He had no idea these videos would be used him. So I think this is as honest as we're going to see Gary Gensler. Number two, when Jay Clayton was initially replaced by Gary Gensler, videos like this could never be found. You couldn't find Gary Gensler talking negative about Ripple. Everybody thought he was going to be the savior for the industry. So it's interesting that these are these things are appearing now. The third thing, he says the SEC doesn't have the right to regulate this market. That's going to happen through the appellate courts. Well, he had no idea that in, in a couple of years, he would be absorbing the Ripple case and taking on Ripple in the appellate court. So- what did you take away from this video? And I'll give my two or three cents. Well, I mean, you know, first of all, obviously he's consistent, you know, kudos to him and whoever found the video that he has been saying it's a security. And in all fairness, you're right. In 2018, he didn't know he was going to be the SEC chair. And he said back then he thought it was a security. And so he went through with it and, and treated it as a security and sued it as a security. So there should be no surprise there. You're right. It was hard to find videos like this. People weren't putting stuff like this. They were talking all the pro crypto stuff he was saying uh, and the examples he was giving about Ripple's use. But this would have been a great video to have had back then because you would have known where we were going. But nonetheless, it didn't matter because we went where we went and 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 he lost. And it is a secure. It is not a security in the way it was offered. And so, you know, but what he says here is interesting that it will be resolved by the courts. That's not how it's supposed to be. I'm really surprised he didn't say that that he would have expected regulation would have been created around this space or to say that regulation is needed around this space. That's very interesting. That tells me that he thinks that whatever laws are already in place are good enough. And I don't know how a guy that smart teaching an MIT and I'm making a I'm making an, an assumption here. I can't see how a guy at MIT who's supposed to be very smart can't figure out that the current rules in place that was set by a 1943 ruling in the Howey test 
would apply to technology that was created 40 years after. I would have thought he would have said, and maybe there is stuff on him saying that regulation needs to be created around this space, but he didn't. He literally said that it'll be resolved by the courts. That's very interesting. And now it makes me wonder, Abs, whoever did see that video and wanted SEC to sue Ripple, maybe they purposely appointed him because they knew where his mind was at. Think about that way. There's another one to think about. Johnny, we're seeing the appellate court actually state, we may see a dismissal of Brad and Chris Larson's charges here. An expert is predicting that the SEC will withdraw the charges against Ripple and their CEO slash chairman. Now, the reason for this is what really caught my attention. Obviously, they're assuming the SEC is going to back off. They've already lost that XRP is not an unregistered security. Now they're going after nuances here. They're saying that Chris Larson and Brad Garlinghouse illegally allowed XRP to be sold through Ripple's products. Well, this is what catches my attention, Johnny. The SEC will withdraw its charges against Ripple executives because they have nothing to benefit from going to trial. And here's what's really interesting, right? They can call anyone they'd like to the stand. We could see Hester Pierce. We could see Ethereum Alliance members. Anyone that Ripple sees appropriate can be called into court and questioned on the stand. That is the last thing the SEC wants to deal with. So the question I have for you, do you think the SEC is going to dismiss these charges? You know, the SEC has none to lose. It's 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 got a, a, a you know, an un, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but it's got, um, you know, money coming in forever, right? By the government. It's backed by the government. It can't run out of money. So, and they get a little egg on their face. Do they really care? Uh, I know. I think that if the SEC wants to make an example, they will go after these guys just for the mere fact that it will cost them money to defend themselves. And they'll probably get them to write a check to go away. So I, there is, I think, still incentive for the SEC to do it. I'd like to see the SEC say goodbye and end this thing, but why didn't they do that already? Why wouldn't it? So, so when they lost the XRP ruling and now they lost the appeal, now would be the time where they're like, okay, we're done. We're out. But you don't hear that. In fact, have we heard any comments from Gary yet after the, uh, has Gary spoken publicly yet since the, he got shot down? Nope. It'll be interesting to see. And I hope whoever interviews him asks him, Gary, what are you doing next? What's going on? You know, we know it's a stall tactic. I mean, we, we, we deciphered that the other day that this whole thing was probably a stall tactic in the first place, right? And so it didn't, it didn't even seem like they're putting a strong case together to win the thing. So, but when Gary said it right there, before you, he was even a chairman at the SEC, he said, I don't think the SEC has the right to go and create laws around this. They are going to have to go to court and get a ruling. He right. knew it was an uphill battle from day one. And we're about to show this video of him describing how Ethereum is controlled by Vitalik Buterin and consensus. But we'll, after your take, Johnny Crypto. Yeah, no, that's fine. Let's go with it. But let's rock and roll, guys. And we got 322 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want you to answer the question in the live chat. What year do you think we will see American firms start leveraging XRP and RippleNet products? Is it this year? Is it next year? Or are we looking way, way uh, too far out right now? But let's listen to Gary Gensler as he's describing how Ethereum might be a centralized crypto product. Um, sense are highly centralized. Um, Ethereum is centered around the Ethereum Foundation of Vitalik Buterin and a team of developers. There's 70 people that work at the Ethereum Foundation, not all of whom are developers, but you know. And, um, and in most of these projects, away from Bitcoin and Ethereum, there's a group of two to five developers. They're really highly centralized in terms of 
maintaining, promoting, enhancing the code and the business model of that um, offering. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's conceptual framework and then there's economic reality. You heard it there, Johnny Crypto. Gary Gensler seems like he understands, first of all, there's a centralized entity behind the success of Ethereum, whether it's five members or 70 members, there is a company fueling the success of this product. And that tells me they have a better argument for a security. When you look at what Ripple's doing, Ripple doesn't have governance over the network. Ripple, people debate about the escrow. They don't have access to those tokens until they're released. So I'd argue about how centralized the currency is, even though Ripple owns the escrow. Gary Gensler makes it very clear right here. Italic and consensus control Ethereum. What did you take away from this video? He's not wrong. I mean, he's spot on. That's exact. Everything he said was 100% correct. You know, there's just a few developers that are key to it. Um, and that the, 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 the foundation owned the majority of the, uh, I think, the nodes, right? So it's, just, it's, not, it's not like he was wrong. He's spot on. Gary's a smart guy. The reason why people don't like Gary is because Gary's pushing an anti-crypto agenda. That's the only reason why everybody here is knocking on Gary. If Gary was pushing a pro-crypto agenda, everybody in the world who's crypto-friendly and everybody in this chat and even us would love Gary. That's just the bottom line. It's the bottom line. But I got, I got, I got, I got to address this. LC, come on, my man. Abs, he says the government is running out of money. Guess For anybody who doesn't know, there is not a limit to federal spending. I don't come know. If on, but come on, come on, buddy. You got to watch your show more often. The government has run out of money 87 other times. Oh, we're going to shut the government down. And 87 other times, what happened? We printed more money. My friend, listen, the government is not ever going to run out of money. It's impossible to run out of money when all you have to do is put another number in the computer and you just created more money. So, no, my friend, the government. Hey, guys, if you think the government is running out of money, put a one in the chat. If you think this is, uh, there were, the government is never going to run out of money, put a two in the chat. I'm curious to see what I got to show some love to my man, LC. It's all love and respect. Don't take time. Oh, I love him. I love him. I'm glad he asked the question. I'm glad he made the statement. But I'm, I want to see what people think. Guys, and we're going to talk about exactly what people think about Ethereum as well. We just heard Gary Gensler describe how Ethereum is a centralized product. This is breaking news out of JP Morgan this morning. Ethereum has become more centralized since the merge and the Shanghai upgrades. The increase in staking has reduced the appeal of Ethereum from a, a yield perspective. And I believe it actually brought the yield down from 7.5% to only 5.5% in just about a year. So we are seeing a lower yield be produced due to the centralized staking aspect of Ethereum. But Johnny, let's read this article and then give our input here. The rise in Ether staking since the merge in Shanghai upgrades has come at a cost to Ethereum as a network, as it's become more centralized and the overall staking yield has fallen. This is out of JP Morgan in an article on Thursday. Many in the crypto community have seen Lidao, a decentralized liquid staking platform, as a better alternative compared to the centralized liquid staking platforms associated with exchanges. Centralization by any entity or protocol creates risk for Ethereum, as the more concentrated number of liquidity providers or node operators could act as a single point of failure. An added risk for the rise of liquidity staking is, and I can't pronounce this word correctly, but it's when liquidity tokens are reused as collateral across numerous DeFi protocols at the same time, otherwise known as fraud, Johnny Crypto. This is an umbrella term. Uh, DeFi is an umbrella term used for lending, trading, and other financial activities carried out on the blockchain. And the increase in staking has also reduced the appeal of Ether from a yield perspective. And I reiterated this earlier. 
the yield is down to about 5% when it was about 7.5% when this product initially launched. So Ethereum's taking a hit. What do you take away from all this news? I see it as, as growing pains. I really do. I don't think 55 to 7.5% is deteriorating the product. I think this is something that's natural. And I do think Ethereum is going to continue to thrive. But as, it, as for DeFi, there are competitors rising. And in, if we see a regulatory, what's the word I'm looking for? Where they basically get a free pass because of who they know. That's what happened with Ethereum. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Once that goes away from the markets and people are using the best products, that's when I'd be concerned. But what do you take away from all this? Yeah, I, th- I think you're spot on there, Abs. At the end of the day, look, listen, Ethereum is here to stay, okay? They're embedded so much. They, they, they start, they were number two after Bitcoin in terms of technology. First one to ever come up with smart contracts. They've been ingrained in everything for 10 to 12 years. They have all the right connections. <laughs> They're not going away. Now, there will be other technologies that will come and will be better than them and surpass them, and, the, and, they'll, and they'll play a role too, or there'll be second layer and third layers built on top, things like that. But I don't see any theorem will also evolve over time as well, and they'll get their hands into all the different little pieces so that they're not th- that they'll always be relevant. And guys, you know, be nice in the chat. I, I wasn't picking on LC, I was picking more on the statement of the fact of the government running out of money. For those of you who know, the government can't run out of money because it can print it all the time. So let, let's be respectful of LC, too, and not call him names. Um, just the reality is not everybody understands how governments work. And the reality is they can print. They can, <laughs> I like it. Abs. One guy said the only thing the government's running out of is ink and paper. <laughs> Pretty soon that may be more valuable than the American dollar. Uh, yeah, exactly. But uh, but yeah, we're we're not gonna we're, the the government will never run out of money, and that's why the SEC will never run out of money. The SEC will always have, and even even if you remember at the event, Brad even said it right. The SEC has unlimited funds. That was the word I was looking for. They're unlimited, whereas companies are limited in how much they can spend. So my point to you earlier was the SEC could keep coming after Chris and Brad all day. It doesn't matter. They don't care. It's not coming out of their pocket. It's coming out of aspect, your- there might be a lot of information they don't want to be tested under oath for, right? And I think Hester Pierce, I'm there's this Stephen to- Nureyev guy. I don't know if you've been following this narrative. First of all, DAI's Twitter account got blocked. So anybody who follows DAI, I don't know what happened. They suspended his account. I'm hoping it was an accident. So please go and show support on Twitter. Tw- tweet at him. Try to get his account responded. I already tweeted something out. But um, there's a Nureyev narrative going on here. And we covered this a little bit earlier in the week, Johnny. This man back in 2016, I believe, was pulled out of his home, cuffed and put into a van to get information about people in crypto. Charles Hodgkinson, Vitalik Buterin, many of the biggest names in the industry were on that list. And I don't know if the SEC wants to be tested under oath when it comes to that type of stuff. So maybe there's that aspect of this whole thing they're trying to hide. Forget about money. What about information? Well, you know, it's a good point. But if I'm Gary... He's going to say all that stuff happened before my time. So what's the risk on Gary per se, right? He just took over recently. So it's really no egg on his face per se. The agencies maybe, and, and maybe if they care. But do you really sit here and think they care about the reputation of the agency? I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe they don't. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see them pulling out of it because they're worried about that stuff coming up. I think they just won't talk about it or they'll plead the fifth or they'll say they can't talk about it on the stand. They'll, they'll make something up of why they can't talk about it. I think so. Um, I, I don't, I just don't, I don't listen. I'd love to see the thing come to an end and you think it would considering they just lost the appeal and the big bulk of it was about that, but you're not hearing the sec saying we're done. So until you hear that abs, I don't know. I don't know how long they're going to drag this thing out for. 
And we got to talk about this as well, guys. We got 357 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this was tweeted out by Mr. Man on Twitter yesterday. Love that guy. He always puts out great content. XRP is set for another price run. And we are going to debate how high this next price run is going to take us. We're seeing estimates as high as $800, $1,000. That's not what we do on Good Morning Crypto. If we can get above $2.70, we are going to enter uncharted territory, Johnny Crypto. We are pioneers in this space, my friend, and that's also on the price chart. If we can get XRP breaking above its previous all-time high, $2.70 is the last time we had real trading volume for this project. Just for the sake of conversation, before we get into all of our other great content, what are you anticipating for anyone who didn't hear us yesterday? 2025, are we going to see three-digit XRP, a two-digit XRP? What are your predictions? Well, I'm not going to go too deep into it because we talked in, in depth about it yesterday. So if you missed yesterday's show, Go check it out. Abs puts timestamps. You can probably find that section when we talked about XRP pricing. But I will just give a quick synopsis. So I certainly think that two digits, nobody's going to like my synopsis, Abs, but you, you know, I speak the truth right here. Truth, two, di- two digits, very possible, I think, with a 4.26 extension. I'm not I'm not a super um, you know, technical expert analyst uh, or analyst expert like, like a BC backer is. I know enough to kind of be dangerous. And so, um, you know, and I, but I follow a lot of his stuff and, and, and a lot of things he said, 4.26 extension puts us around 10 to $12. That's probably a realistic. Now that the monkey is off their back abs and we don't have to worry about the sec case. I think that that is going to be a realistic somewhere between three and $10 is where I've got some exits set up guys. If you don't have an exit plan, probably time to talk about this abs. You, you, you really, the most important thing I hope you're walking away from this show, and it isn't because we invented Merlin, but you need to have an exit plan. Whether you use Merlin or not, I don't care. Put it on a piece of paper if you're not going to, you know, but make sure you've got an exit plan. Train your brain. Now, having the advantage of Merlin is you just get alerts when it's time to sell. You don't have to watch the market every two I minutes. Think, right? I think we want to pause it here. A lot of people ask me the simplest question in the world. Why would I sell my tokens if I think they're going to go to $800? And I'm just going to use myself as a reference, Johnny Crypto. One of the biggest mistakes I made was not capitalizing on the profits during the bull run. You're going to check your account and let's use fake numbers here. We're talking about a $10,000 portfolio. If you have $10,000 in your crypto portfolio sitting here in 2023, I assume that we fast forward five years or sorry, two years in 2025, that portfolio is going to be almost figures, if not six figures in value. And the number one thing you're going to think is this is just getting started. What you need to do is you need to create a plan where maybe you're only selling 10%. Maybe you're selling 20%. I'm selling as high as 65% of my assets during the bull run, but I'm keeping 35% for the rest of my life. That way, if XRP goes to $1,000, I still got a huge amount of my portfolio that I can sit there and enjoy the gains, but I'm also locking in US dollars while we're going up because these markets, they're cyclical and they're driven by Bitcoin. For the time being, money comes in, money goes out. And so we're going to capitalize and take some of that money while it's there. I think that's a great Merlin plug. Well, well, <laughs> I mean, you should definitely get Merlin. Go get that. Go to www.merlincrypto.com. Sign up. There's a link below. Uh, we're live. You can. I use up. Merlin every day. For the record, I am not. I I wear the shirts because Johnny Crypto, but I use the product every day. So just for the yeah. record, I think people should sign up. Try it out. You can track all your crypto and and create an expense. But but I want to get back to the question you said, and I'm glad you got the chart up. The re- you said why should people sell their crypto? You know, because you think it's going to go up. But look at the chart in front of you. Look at 20. Look at right. Yeah. Put the mouse around 2018, 2017 and a half. 
you know, right, right around, right, put it around like, say, around, yeah, right down. No, no, not there, but right in the flat part. Yeah. Let's don't, no, yeah, right there. Let's say you bought there. Okay. Now look what you would have done. You would have watched it go all the way up. And if you didn't take, if you right there, see that, that if you didn't ladder out on that leg up right there with Merlin or anything, what would you have done? You would have watched it come all the way back down to the same price. And if you don't believe me and you bought right there again in 2020, look what would have happened. You would have watched Huh? Up, oh, continue. I think it was my Wi-Fi. Continue. You would have watched it go all the way back up again and all the way back down. And again, two opportunities to put a ton of money in your bank. And you wouldn't have because you thought it was still going up. And even in the utility mode, the same thing's going to happen. It's going to have a run up and it's going to have a pullback. And then a leg up and a pullback. It's just how it works, like a ladder, like a, like a steps. And so, listen, you don't have to sell. You can just watch your portfolio go up and down and, and lose out on those opportunities. Or you could sell on the way up, some of it, not all of it. Take what you've earned and reinvest it back in and double your bags. And then make even more money. And so that's, that's, that's. And Johnny, this is another great question from Messi Leo here. And I am personally a Ronaldo guy. So no hate, my friend. But he (laughs) says, (laughs) he says, sell my XRP for what? Cash? No, thanks. No, it doesn't have to be cash. Go into a stable coin. Go into Ethereum. Go into Bitcoin. Exactly. Maybe, Maybe even purchase things like gold or silver. You don't have to hold cash for a long time. But I do think that you should diversify. And that's a mistake that we've made in the past. That's why we always talk about it on our channel, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People say, oh, it's cash. No, of course. Yeah, you're selling the cash or USDT stable, and then you buy another crypto with it when, when it pulls back. I mean, not saying hold cash for 20 years, hold it for six months. Ain't going to go away in six months. You'll and, only you lose know, half your value in six months. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I just don't understand the logic. I, I don't understand the logic. But listen, everybody's got to do. I get, I get it, though, because think about it. I had a very similar perspective where I said, like, why would I ever sell my XRP? It's just going to continue to be used more. It's going to continue to go up in value. It's because these markets aren't completely organic. They're cyclical. They come in, they go out. It's like a tidal wave. So now that I've been through it once or twice, I'm not going to make the same mistake a third time. And, and the other thing, too, is like when you sell something, you make some profits. You want to diversify. You absolutely need to diversify. You pay off your debts. You buy silver. You buy gold. You buy real estate. You buy assets that produce you more cat or more assets. That's or put it in IUL. You do. You put it in somewhere where it can grow, right? And so, to me, you yes, you can sit there and hold it, but it might take twenty years to get to where you want it to be, and you've lost all those intervals of when it went up and down up and down where you could have taken tons of profit so that again that's just something people have to decide right and, that's and tokenized thing. assets are going to change the game we're not we're not telling you that things aren't going to go up forever we do believe long term you zoom out on the bitcoin price chart it's literally gone up forever s&p 500 real estate this is the game of fiat they print more money things go up in value all these tokens are going to go up over time but there is an opportunity to make additional money by playing the market correctly that's why we're talking about Merlin, guys. But we got 349 live listeners joining us. And yeah. it's not even about playing the markets apps. Look, it's the bull run cycle. Oh, look at them. They happen every four years because of the, the way the code is written in, in, in Bitcoin. So because you have these naturally inherent four-year bull runs, until we see that whole cycle completely obliterated and changing, it would not, why wouldn't you take advantage of, of these? Ni- I mean, you said, you said they all pull back 90%. Even Christy Lagarde said it. In 2017, crypto's down 90%. Guess what? What is it right now? Crypto's down 90% or pulled back as far as 90%. So I'm saying there's huge opportunities to make money there. 
if you ladder out on some of these way, ways up so you don't have to get wrecked on the whole 90%. That's, I hope that answers the question of whoever asked, why would I sell my XRP? That's why you would sell it because you would sell it high and then you could buy more XRP when it comes back down again. Spot on, guys. And this person said, make money work so you don't have to. Shout out to Robert Kinasaki. But Johnny, let's let's break down the fundamentals here. Why are our listeners super unique? Why are they going to profit over the next few years? It's articles like this. The Fed now has upgraded their system, and there's already 108 financial institutions sending and receiving on the network. There's also 21 institutions providing liquidity and settlement, and 20 service providers supporting payment processing in the instant payment infrastructure. Now, we're in 40 minutes into the episode. I'm going to scroll through this article because there are Ripple connections that are worth connecting here. It says, over the next few months, the FedNow system plans to introduce new features and functionalities that will provide additional fraud prevention tools and easier access to crucial account and transaction information. They're also working on developing their instant payment network, but check this out at the bottom of the article. It says, instant payments are a strategic offering for any financial institution or service provider, so we want to make them as accessible as possible. Among those who have joined the FedNow service is Cross River Bank and Platt, which said that on September 18th, they've joined the network to widen customers' instant payment access. We're talking Cross River Bank. Why is Cross River Bank relevant in this argument, Johnny? They're a pioneer in this space. And of course, they partner with another one. Longtime partner of Ripple, Cross River Bank officially joins the Fed. They've been a partner of Ripple since September 24th of 2014. Now they're leveraging that technology with what I'm calling the largest financial upgrade we have ever seen. I'm 25 years old. Nothing like this has taken place in my lifetime. Ripple, Ripple is at center stage. What do you take away from all this, Johnny? The connections here, are they valid? Abs, I love the, 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 the sleuth work you got going on here. Fantastic. Yeah, it's great work here. Shout out to all the XRP Army Twitter members. That's how yeah, I do it. There's a lot of sleuths out there pulling it all together. And, you know, to draw that connection that, yeah, I mean, obviously with Cross River leveraging Ripple technology and now partnering with Fed, you know, again, that always brings the possibility of drawing those technologies in. Now, Cross River is part with the Fed. Say, hey, by the way, we got this thing, you know, this, this is the payment system we use for Ripple. You should try this out. We should, you know what I mean? All those discussions are possible when you've got people talking together in connections. So I love it. I love the fact that they're partnering with them with the fed now and that their partners with ripple there's a probably a good possibility they're having some cross-functional conversation or cross uh pollination technology or conversations and then if the fed's like oh yeah you know we want to know about that it's like oh yeah hey we'll just get right on the phone you know cross river calls them up we got a friend we got a relationship get them on the phone boom 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 and next thing you know you know things are happening there so abs i think uh very, very, very good find there. And another question I want to answer, you know, great question here. Does Somebody asked, how do we handle taxes? And does Merlin calculate your cap gain? So Merlin actually will, what's really cool, Abs, we put a feature in there that allows people that when you create an exit plan, it shows you all your gains at your different targets, what your total gain is if you hit all three, and what your total tax liability is, what you have to set aside. Because if you hit those targets, you are going to owe some taxes. So you put in Merlin, you tell Merlin what your tax bracket is. And it actually tells you 
what it is. And then for full cat tax capability, that's something we have on our roadmap coming in the future. So we'll save that for later, guys. But great question. Thank you for asking. And Johnny, this is what I want to focus on as well. Ripple says that U.S. banks will want to use XRP cryptocurrency after their partial victory versus the SEC. But this quote right here from Stuart Alderati, who we got to meet at the XRP event, he said, Ripple is confident U.S. banks will start wanting to use XRP for cross-border transactions after the judge gave them a firm. This is crazy. They're calling it a partial victory. I don't understand that whole narrative. Ripple won the lawsuit. Why are they calling it a partial victory? I don't know. No, but you know why. Because don't forget, Ripple lost the institutional part. Remember? So we lost the part of the institutional sales. So institutional sales, they still can claim if Ripple executes in the same way they did initially. That, that 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 it is a security, remember? And that's why they're saying partial victory. It's, such, it's BS for this reason. Ripple already acquired Medico. They can just go through their third-party Medico, and now it's not in a, it's not an unregistered security. So they don't even have to go out of their house to, to get around this whole thing. Well, 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 now you're talking about practicality versus spinning a narrative. Oh, that's my fault. I didn't say, I didn't <laughs> say it wasn't possible. I'm just telling you why they're saying they partially would. They're going to take that thing. They're going to take that thing and get the turn polish out and turn that thing up, make that thing sound. They took it's turn polish. They is just there, tried to polish. Ask, is there any connections here with Stuart Alderati's confidence in U.S. banks using XRP for cross border payments and the connections that we just brought up between the Fed now upgrading their system, collaborating with Cross River Bank, which is obviously a Ripple partner? There's these weird connections here. There'll never be a day on CNBC where they go, hey, XRP community, you were right. You know, it's just never, not going to happen. You're never so, getting that. If you're waiting for that, you're going to grow old and gray before. Don't don't wait for that. That's pointless. You already got it when the judge said XRP was a security. That's the best you're getting. Be happy with that. Take that son bitch, pack it in your bag, and move on. And just you'll know, move on to waiting for brighter days ahead. Because what will happen is this here. I do agree or believe that Ripple US banks will start now to looking at using XRP's technology. Now that the monkey's off their back and they don't have to, any company that wants to go leverage Ripple can no longer use the excuse of, oh, you got the SEC in your targets. Listen, Abs, the SEC is very powerful. Nobody wants a mess. No company, no bank, no financial institution wants to mess with the SEC. And if there's a company that the SEC has its targets on, hey, it's like, Nobody's going near that thing, right? And now that it's over, I agree with the statement. I do believe now that finally this whole case is done and, and the appeal got shot down, which makes it even stronger, Abs. I do honestly have to say that I believe you're finally going to have the conversation. Banks are finally going to pick up the phone and then say, hey, yeah, get me Brad get me Brad on the phone. I want to talk. Oh, nobody uses this kind of phone. Like, yo, get me Brad on the phone. I want to talk to Brad. I had to go to a time machine to grab that thing. Oh, <laughs> what is that thing, Johnny? <laughs> what is that thing? Yeah, you probably don't even know what a calculator is either. Right? Ah, get, get out of here, guys. <laughs> we got 367 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I'm going to address the question in the live chat. So remember, par participate in that poll. What year do you think American banks are going to start leveraging XRP? And Johnny, you brought it up yourself. What? Nobody wants to mess with the SEC. Let's spend a minute or two addressing the Elon Musk news here. I tweeted this out this morning. I'm surprised Elon Musk didn't congratulate Ripple or Brad Garlinghouse on the XRP slash Ripple win over the SEC. And the news out of the community yesterday, Elon Musk is being sued by the SEC for his acquisition of Twitter. 
and how it's an amendment of free speech or whatever BS they decided to bring up as a charge. But Johnny, let me ask you, do you think Elon Musk, obviously he knows about XRP. What's preventing him from commenting on this very popular issue? Definitely not an NDA. I don't know why whoever thinks that. Definitely not an NDA. I mean, the NDAs aren't going to stop him, for example, from, I mean, he's not involved with Ripple. He's not involved with that. So I don't think it would be an NDA that would stop them from having the conversation. And he's not involved with the company or anything, you know, those kinds of things. So I just think it's more of, I don't think he cares much about one or two things. Either he doesn't care about Ripple because you never hear him talk about it. Or he cares so much about Ripple that he doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> I think it's one or the other. It's one of those two scenarios. And, and and I think my gut leads me to believe that he just doesn't care much about Ripple. I don't, I don't think he does. He's such a big X guy, and you never hear him talk about it. So, you know, I hope that he's in the background working with them. But I, I don't, my gut, I don't, I don't. Mm. I mean, if he had a, let's say he had an NDA with Ripple. And they were working on some technologies in the background. That doesn't mean he can't comment about what ruling the SEC made on it. He certainly can't. He can't talk about what dealings he has with Ripple. That's what the NDA would cover. But he certainly could talk about the lawsuit if he wanted to. But again, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is doing something with them. It'd be great if he is. I also want to read this tweet I put out yesterday. And Johnny, just give me some comments before we dive into a couple of our last articles. One of the best videos I am saving for the end of the show where the Australian Central Bank said... We're not going to use Ripple until the SEC case is over. Well, now the SEC case is over, so we're going to discuss it. Yesterday, I was going through some stats about United States banks, Johnny, and listen to this. In the USA alone, a whopping 4,000-plus commercial banks and 575 savings and loan associations are holding over $23 trillion in assets. They're in the process of upgrading their system, and I think it's safe to assume some of these financial firms will be leveraging Ripple's, RippleNet, not ODL anymore, and XRP for real-time cross-border settlements, this is when the game changes forever. So I just wanted to read that. Can you believe all of these financial firms are in the process of shifting and our token, one of the ones we talk about every day, is set to benefit? Do you think I'm exaggerating when I say $23 trillion in assets could be tokenized someday and put onto blockchains like the XRPL? No, no. I don't think I don't think you're exaggerating at all. I, I don't I mean, I've just heard so many different numbers that I have no clue what is the right number. But I know it's a big number. <laughs> it's gonna be, you know, I've heard 14 trillion, 23 trillion, 200 trillion. There's so many numbers out there. And then if you talk about derivatives, it's even higher. So I mean, you know, but I do believe there's a big number, and I do believe that a lot of it will 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 there'll be tokenization of it, and there'll be, you know, the companies that do that will benefit big. This is an interesting comment, Abs. Elon working with Jem and Caleb. Is that a, I don't know if that's a statement, a question or a comment. Well, I mean, it's a statement. So here's what we can talk about. I, I haven't gone too far down the rabbit hole. There's a lot of connections between SpaceX, a third party company and Elon Musk working with the Stellar Foundation. So those are the connections. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and yeah. we've actually talked about it on the show. It's just not yeah. on the forefront of my mind. Johnny, uh, yeah. let's play a little video of, of Kevin O'Leary. I don't know if he's a rat snake weasel, but we're going to debate it right now, guys, as he's saying he would still invest in Sam Bankman fried. Oh, my God knocked on your door again and said, look, I failed in my last venture. Uh, I have a new crypto venture. I need money. Would you back him? That's a great question. No one's asked me yet. I think we can all admit you, you can love him or hate him given what's happened, but he was one of the most brilliant traders in the crypto universe. 
He also built one of the most robust platforms. We used FTX actively. It was a very robust platform uh, that allowed us to get information on a compliant basis. So I really like what he built. Um, would you back him? The answer would be yes. I don't even, I'm almost speechless here, Johnny Crypto. Wow. First of all, why is this guy still complimenting somebody who stole billions from American investors? And yesterday we got news that there were insiders at the company that openly knew Sam was taking money from the FTX accounts and depositing not millions, but billions of dollars into the Almeida accounts in order to save the company and make the balance sheet look much more profitable. I don't know what this is. Is this just not caring what people think? Is this him just openly being dishonest? I don't know, but Johnny, I'm kicking it to you. Oh, I know what the answer is. Somewhere in the safe, in a chest somewhere, Sam Bankford Freeman has a picture of Kevin that Kevin doesn't want anybody to see. Because I can't think of any other reason in the world. <laughs> I just don't. I, there's no other reason in the world why this man would, would act. And I don't know how old was that clip, Abs? Was that like yesterday or somebody says it was an old clip? It's an older clip, but it's from this year. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, to me, you know, I, <laughs> I just, I can't. I can't, I can't, I don't know. I, he's got, he must have a, he's got a photo somewhere or something to blackmail him with because, because to invest, you know, first of all, he said Sam Beck Friedman was extremely clever guy that came up with a, no, when you listen to Yusko and you'll talk to the guys who are actually in the space, they tell you that there's no way SBF came up with the whole sophisticated system that, S, that the FTX was running. It was probably other people. So, first of all, you're not even investing in those people that did it. You're investing in this guy who's a shady crook. So, I'm really, really shocked at, at Mr. Wonderful because he's a very smart guy. You would think he would have been like, no, nah, I'm not touching that guy. I'm not going anywhere near it. But for him to, to say that, he's either good friends with his father or Sam's got a Sam's got some photos Kevin don't want turning up. I'm going to leave it at one of those two. Hey, I don't think that's too far. I don't think you're speculating too much there, guys. But we're going to close this thing out with an interesting video out of Australia as they're calling this insane news, Ripple came to us and explained their offerings to me and a group of major bank representatives. But because of the court case with the SEC, we didn't proceed. And that's what this video is all about. We got 351 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Here's the latest update on Ripple and Australia. I know this, right. And again, I'm not an expert on it, but I understand they approached us some time ago. But at the time, they were battling some legal battle in the U.S., and our position to them was, well, come back to us once that's sorted out because yes. you only get one chance at a first impression. And if this court case doesn't go well for you, that's right. Right. so anyway, they got a good result in the U.S. court case and um, they approached us. So did you hear that, though, Johnny? What I thought was interesting is obviously Ripple won, but you heard him. If the court case doesn't go well, that's going to affect our relationship. What do you take away from that? That's really interesting how high the stakes were for Ripple. We often talked about it's only the U.S. markets. This clearly shows that case affected global markets. Well, what did I tell you? What did I say about 20 minutes ago? There is nobody, no institution, no company that wants to go near anybody, anything that's being sued by the SEC or has the SEC in their crosshairs because they don't want the aftermath, the, 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 the what do you call it, the, the, the collateral damage, right? They don't want to be anywhere near that, that situation. There's no surprise. In fact, I'm glad you played that. That just kind of confirms what I was thinking all along. But what I would have loved to see if we could, I don't know if it's in there, if you play more of that video. Did he ask him now that the case is over what their response was? 
Oh, are you gonna play that or no? Oh, I can't. You're on mute, so I. Can't. I know. Sorry, you gotta. I if I ask questions, I'm on mute. I'm always stuck on that other page, guys. But I'm gonna play the end of this video, and then we're gonna comment on this. Yeah. Australia and Ripple. Are we gonna see something big soon? Here's the answer. Let's hear it. We're we're going to have a bit more of a look at it. I'm not going to claim to be an expert on it, but we may look to promote their product. And it, and again, it'll be buyer beware. Um, we'll say to our members, look, here's this new technology. From what I can understand, it can generate real-time uh, transfer of payments. Yes. And they seem to have a lot of um, checks and balances in place. At the briefing that I was at where I did that post, um, there was a lot of representatives from the major banks that were very interested in yes, it. So it's right. a, it is a real thing. That's right. um, but how that translates to um, meaningful solutions for our members will... Well, I only understand that in a bit more time. I think I've got a little bit more understanding of Ripple because I have been following the Ripple case since got into the dramas with the financial bodies in the US. That period of time with Ripple, it was when the whole world was still trying to grapple with the idea of well, what blockchain was and all that sort of stuff. And So he actually gets the stats wrong here and he calls XRP a centralized entity, which I thought was interesting. So I like this guy. He, he did a good interview, but he got some stuff wrong. So shout out to this man. Johnny, what did you take away from this whole thing? Australian banks said that the result of that lawsuit was going to affect their relationship. Now that they've won the lawsuit, they're willing to take a second look at the product. They didn't say they're going to use it. They said they're still trying to wrap their head around this stuff. I know it's like rocket science over here, instant payments. But you tell me, what do you take away from all this? Well, that's just exactly it, Abs. I think at the end of the day, what's happening here is that you've got um, the lawsuit finally coming to an end, and now you've got people saying, okay, we're going to take a second look. Because I always felt that it was exactly what he said, right? They're going to look and assess the technology. Because you've got all these people. What you, Here's what, what people have to understand about technology. Is when there's a new technology and companies don't know much about it, the first thing they want to do is test it and assess it to understand what it is and can it fit in their product? Can it fit in their business model? Can it make their the bottom line cheaper, better, faster? And can it do it without having to disrupt all the stuff they currently have in place and that kind of a thing? So that's what you're going to see now is I think you're going to see more companies willing to test out and try Ripple. Not everybody's going to accept them and going to work with them. But the point is, at least now, they're willing to sit down at the table with them again and bring them in-house and try them out. And that's going to bode well for Ripple, not only globally but more importantly here right now here in the u.s which has been a big hindrance in the past so it's very very great i mean ripple has the road in front of them cleared now abs the problem is they lost three years unfortunate but maybe it's it's all part of the plan johnny crypto one of the things that i've clearly realized is that this lawsuit appears to be a stall tactic not an authentic lawsuit that was going on. But let's check out the results of the live poll today. When will American financial firms begin to leverage RippleNet and XRP? The majority of our listeners, 56% out of the 290 votes, said 2024. Then we had 25% say 2025 and beyond. Only 18% of respondents think this year we're going to see an announcement. Johnny, 30 seconds. What do you take away from those stats? Yeah, I mean, that's a very tricky question because I don't know what you mean by the word leverage. I mean, you mean fully adopt the system. I don't think that's happening anywhere at all in 2023. Um, in 2024, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll test. Maybe they'll begin doing some adoption in 2025 and beyond. And full adoption isn't going to be until 2030 and thereafter. Um, but I think the point is it's moving the way technology moves. It's going to move in that direction. 
but I'm not expecting, you know, instant adoption uh, this soon, to be honest with you. And guys, we got 333 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to say thank you to Johnny Crypto for making time for us this morning. We're going to see you guys in 72 hours. And it's like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Woo! Let's go, baby. Have a a great weekend. weekend.